are back. We sometimes do obituaries in this program, and I think we need to do a couple of them today. First of all, the passing of Bob Casale, the guitarist for Devo. He left us a few weeks back at age 61. Ouch. Bob Casale's brother, Gerald, was uh, self-described as Devo's chief strategist. His brother was responsible for much of Devo's distinct visual appearance and designed their costumes, including the Energy Dome. Noting the passing of Brother Bob, Jerry Casale said he was an original member of Devo there in the trenches with me from the beginning. He was my level-headed brother, a solid performer and talented audio engineer, always giving more than he got. It was noted that although he often ceded the spotlight to his brother Gerald and Devo frontman Mark Mothersbaugh, Bob Casale played on every single album and was instrumental in their production. Although Devo broke up back in 1991, they reformed five years later and toured steadily over the past couple decades. Uh, This correspondent uh, happened to catch them in Oakland a few years ago, and I'm glad I did. They were, well, hilarious on one level and certainly entertaining on another. I was never quite sure how serious they were taking some of their shtick, but in my own mind, I think of them, believe it or not, as I do James Brown. Performers you can enjoy on two entirely separate levels at the same time. I'm sure a lot of you know what I mean. I hope so, anyway. I also want to note the passing of Tenant Bagley, a guy I never heard of till I read his obituary, and a guy I'd never heard of while he was alive, but I found his obituary quite curious. None of the obits, Tenant Bagley was working for the CIA in Switzerland back in 1962 when he was sent to meet Yuri Nosenko, a KGB agent willing to betray his country from within. He seemed like a prize catch. Nosenko was the son of one of Stalin's ministers. He said he could expose the Soviet spy agency's inner workings and name Russian agents inside Western embassies. Bagley reported back to headquarters that Nosenko was the real deal, and then supposedly and then supposedly came to later regret that recommendation. According to the obits, Bagley noted anomalies that led him to believe that his charge was actually a Soviet double agent sent to sow disinformation. It was noted that Bagley supposedly began to doubt his source's credibility in 1964 when the KGB agent unexpectedly defected to the U.S., claiming he was under suspicion by Soviet authorities. The Daily Telegraph from the U.K. noted that Nosenko came with astonishing information. He claimed he'd interviewed Lee Harvey Oswald in the USSR before the assassination of President Kennedy and insisted Oswald had no connection with the KGB. Said the Washington Post, it was an important assertion at a time when many officials suspected the Soviets were behind the assassination. I was pretty flabbergasted when I read this in The Week magazine because, while there certainly was a trail leading from Oswald to the KGB. As we talked about at great length on this program with Jefferson Morley last November, it certainly appears that some people were trying to set Oswald up as having a KGB connection when history does not seem to point in that direction. Also left out of these obituaries about it, Tenant Bagley, was the fact that his boss, at least one of his bosses, James Jesus Angleton, the CIA's counterintelligence chief, was apparently the guy that suspected Nosenko of not being a genuine defector. Angleton, and I presume badly, had Nosenko thrown in the slammer where he was kept in solitary confinement for years. Nosenko always maintained that he was a genuine defector, and the CIA later gave him $80,000, an apology, and a new identity. 
Despite that, noted the obituaries, Bagley never stopped trying to prove that Nosenko was a Soviet plant. Strange story. Angleton's hunt for a Soviet mole in the CIA is considered uh, a legendary piece of, well, I guess inept spycraft might be the only phrase to describe it. Let's talk about some other stuff. Once in a while, we like to read uh, the columns written by The Motley Fool. These guys dispensing advice on how to invest uh, uh, are often subtle commercials for their own enterprises. Sometimes not so subtle. They do appear to have quite a few solid nuggets in the material they present to the public. And here's one little piece that's pretty irresistible. Under the title of The Fool's School, Where's Your Yacht?, (laughs) The Motley Fool guys wrote, In 1940, Fred Schwed published a book called Where Are the Customers' Yachts? The title referred to a visitor in New York who, after admiring the yachts of Wall Street professionals, wondered where their customers' yachts were. Of course, there were none. Those dispensing financial advice often end up richer than those they serve. The Fools go on to note, There are a few industries that pay themselves so much for doing so little as financial services. Many advisors are competent and honest, but a study by consultants at IBM found that global financial advisors overcharge their clients by $250 billion a year. Yes, that's with a B. $250 billion a year for services that fail to meet their stated benchmarks. Financial advisors typically charge a fee of between 1% and 1.5% of assets each year. If the advisor recommends a mutual fund, it might charge a management fee of, say, 1%. Together, that's 2.5% of your assets. Over the past century, the stock market has gained on average 6.5% after inflation. In this scenario, nearly 40% of that gain would have gone to the advisors. They collect much of your gain while you take all the risk. Yeah, I asked my financial advisor for a stock tip, and he said, United Hotcake Preferred. And yes, I stole that shamelessly from Kurt Vonnegut. All right, let's just blast through a bunch of items quickly here in the the minutes we have left. We are as baffled as you are, dear listener, about uh, the Malaysian Airlines plane that just plain disappeared some days ago. The authorities in Malaysia appear to be just dropping the ball on this entire item. And in the news, more or less vacuum that's followed, all you seem to hear is speculation about what might have happened. I think pretty much all that chatter could be summarized as, uh, we don't know what the hell's going on. And sometimes when you don't know what the hell's going on, you should shut up till you have more information. We are quite amused to see that Diane Feinstein has her knickers in a knot over the CIA apparently spying on uh, Senate investigations of some of their misdeeds in the past, apparently breaking into computers, making documents disappear. Dianne Feinstein, of course, has been willing to give this, the NSA free reign to spy wherever they would like. So uh, the fact that she's really torqued to the CIA is curious. That's one we're going to follow. I don't know if you noticed, but Benjamin Netanyahu was here talking with Jerry Brown last week. Evidently, the governor's people put some spin on it that, uh, that the two men are emphasizing their joint interests in cybersecurity, energy sources, and water conservation, suggesting that Israel an arid country with a growing population, might be able to help California cope with its ongoing drought. Well, we're not sure how that's going to happen. As far as we can see it, California doesn't have the option of stealing water from Palestinians. Although, come to think of it, uh, perhaps Northern Californians might be considered uh, 
a Western Hemisphere version of Palestinians. For his part, Netanyahu said, California doesn't need to have a water problem. Israel has no water problems because we're the number one recyclers of wastewater. We stop water leaks, we use drip irrigation and desalination. Well, if you think Israel has no water problem, I would suggest, dear listener, that you do as I did and pass through the occupied territories and take a look at what's left of the Jordan River as it trickles into the Dead Sea. It looks about like my gutter does in East Sacramento when it's, when it's pouring down rain. You know, a rivulet about oh, a yard or two across, maybe. Of course, that's probably better than what Mexico gets from the Colorado River by the time it reaches the Gulf of California. I'm not sure there's any surface wetness left by the time it gets down there. Speaking of water, they're already talking about getting a hotline set up so people can phone up if they see water wasting going on. And of course, this is just bound to solve our water problems here in California since, uh, since urban use constitutes like 4% of the water being uh, shipped around California. And yeah, the bee did have a piece a few weeks back showing about some of these wonderful plants you could plant and be uh, water thrifty, showing various varieties of cactus. You know, paying people to tear out their lawn is not going to make a dent in our water problems. Well, here's a riddle for you. Why is the government of North Korea better than that of uh, our state capital? Well, I would say that unlike Sacramentans, who are probably not going to get to vote on whether... uh, their funds will be used to support a downtown arena. At least the North Koreans did get to vote on their new national legislature. Of course, uh, they weren't voting for individual candidates. They were just voting yes or no. The government had already picked all their candidates for them. Not that that's necessarily all that different from the actions of the Democratic and Republican parties here at home, but that's another story. Piece by Eric Talmadge reported in the Sacramento Bee noted that the official turnout rates in North Korean elections are generally over 99%, described as a practice inspired by the tradition of Stalin's Soviet Union. They quote a man named Michael Madden as saying that fictitious as that may sound, Madden is the editor of the NK Leadership Watch website, says it reflects one reason the autocratic North has elections at all. They provide the most comprehensive assessment of the population. Mustering a nation every so often is a chance for the authorities to hone their mobilization skills, check up on the efficiency of local leaders, and get a snapshot of internal movements. Madden said North Korean security officials will review data on non-voters to glean information on suspicious activity, since absentees could be workers who have snuck off to China for higher pay, or people traveling outside the country without formal permission, or military personnel who have gone AWOL. Some claim that North Korea is the worst government on earth. They might be right. Although when I saw some of the people running for Sacramento City Council, I did have a glimmer of doubt. Noted that uh, one guy running for my uh, retiring city councilman seat admittedly is the front runner because he has real estate interests paying large sums to help his campaign. For the record, he's noted that this doesn't mean they're going to have any influence over his vote. Of course not. All right, two final health-related items in today's show. It's noted that people who take vitamin and mineral supplements may not be boosting their health and could actually be raising their risk of cancer and heart disease. That's at least the conclusion of a new report by the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, which raised questions about the efficacy of the $28 billion Americans spend on supplements. In a related story, we would quote a piece by Monty Morin from the L.A. Times, who's noted that 
A daily glucosamine drink supplement has failed to prevent deterioration of knee cartilage, reduce bone bruises, or ease knee pain, according to a recent short-term study of the popular, if controversial, dietary product. I remember back when I was a medical resident and they talked about glucosamine, which is something you need for your cartilage. Well, at that time, the idea of, of, of you know, chopping up cartilage and people eating it to make their cartilage better seemed a little imprecise. I suppose one could argue that giving you the raw material that makes up cartilage should allow your body to more easily make up cartilage, but that's not always the way the physiology works. This correspondent was quite surprised when he saw that uh, a relative of his who'd gotten hip surgery was given glucosamine by the orthopedic surgeon. I think the theory was that it might help and probably won't hurt, which I think is a theory underlying quite a bit of the vitamin and supplement market. Uh, but uh, boy, studies are starting to show that this may be questionable, and that's one we're definitely going to stay on top of in the weeks and months to come. All right, and one final item for today's program, we will note that the government of Mexico said that Nazario Moreno, the leader of the Knights Templar drug cartel, has been killed again. Yes, Mexico originally reported that they'd killed him back in 2010, but the current study is that he died in an early morning shootout earlier this week. This time they say they're pretty sure, thanks to DNA testing, that they got the right guy. I don't know much about this clown, but uh, I do know that in addition to being apparently an absolutely ruthless killer... He was also an evangelical Christian. Not the first time, and sadly probably not the last time we're going to see that particular combination. Of course, that opinion, like all those heard in this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And I think we need to end this show on a joke, rather than a dead narcotraficante. All right, how about this one? Two accountants are in a bank when an armed robber bursts in. While several of the robbers take money from the tellers, others line the customers up against the wall proceed to take their wallets, watches, etc. While that's going on, accountant number one jams something into accountant number two's hand. Without looking down, number two whispers, What's this? Accountant number one replies, Oh, it's that 50 bucks I owe you. that note, let's end the program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time.